On this week's Graze the Rim, we're going to dive into the Draymond Green comments. Does he have a point about player versus team rights? And why is he wrong? Seriously. I just read the script. Let's go. We talk about the Anthony Davis injury, give an MVP race update, and we're going to do a whole lot of splashing or passing on NBA News. It's a packed show, so let's get to it. Alright, we're back. We are live. Welcome to the Graze the Rim podcast. This, of course, is an NBA podcast hosted by two former college teammates that are better at talking about basketball than we ever were at playing it. And I want to say that is not a credit to our analysis skills. That is an indictment on our playing abilities. Absolutely. I will, however, uh, we might need to revisit that little intro because recently one of us was named by our former school as the single best player to wear his jersey number over the last 25 years. Oh, that, that, that? I, I think that was you wearing number 11, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, oh my gosh. So maybe uh, a little outdated, our intro I actually is. had no. I actually had no idea about that. Did you not know that? No. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, you should go look it up because I think you were the only player to wear it. I think so. Yeah, so that was you. They named you and only you. So congratulations. League of my own. I'm in a league of my own. That's right. So we're going to open up with some housekeeping business, talk about some things we mentioned last week, some things we need to catch up on, some things that have happened that we want to revisit. Uh, and I know I love a good pregame. I know you love a good pregame. So we're going to call this little segment Pregame Notes. We're well-versed in the pregame. That's right. So first first order of business, we ended last week's talking about the outro song. I should apologize to, God, what was his name? Logan. Logan Martin. The 2004 Nelly album was called Sweat. I... I always thought, like in my head, I don't know why I never connect the dots. I always thought the album was called Sweatsuit. But do you want to know something wild? He released two albums like almost simultaneously. One called Sweat, the other called Suit. <laughs> so this one was on Sweat. So the more you know. Uh, next thing, I you have been killing our Twitter page. You have become our social media manager, and I'm gonna I'm gonna level with you. I want to endorse our Twitter more. Yeah. I I just can't. And here's why. You have to stop retweeting Timberwolves stuff. I can't. I you have can't. to. I can't. Look, I can't. I want to plug it. I want to tell all my friends to follow it. But I can't in good conscience have them exposed to all the Timberwolves content. I have, I have full control of you, all I, Anthony Edwards highlights. I'm just saying, I mean, that dunk, good Lord, worthy of posting. <laughs> but it's, you know, it's a problem, but we need to work on it. Okay, I'll work on it. All right. I'm sure you I, will. I graze the rim for Timberwolves. Oh, yes. Good, good, good. Uh, so moving on, I want to, Seth, could you really quick explain the name Graze the Rim? Why did we choose yeah, that? It is, it is, a, it is the um, perfect description of how we played basketball. Uh, the closest I ever, the best dunk I ever had was, was a rim graze. Um, I mean, the ball just rolled right over the rim and my hands happened to be touching the rim. Uh, perfect description of our abilities. <laughs> Right, so so this is why it's hilarious to me. Like in your eyes, in my eyes, we were thinking of like a rim grazing dunk, right? Yes, a dunk that just barely grazes the rim. So my dad, when I told him the name of the podcast, he was like, "Why? Why do you call it that?" And well, here's what he went into: 
What, Seth, what do you call a shot that's almost an air ball? How would you describe that shot? A brick. No, not doesn't hit the backboard. It's almost an air ball. I, I don't know. Oh, well, he just like a shot that barely grazes the rim. Oh. <laughs> and I gotta say, I love that interpretation of our name, right? Like, let's talk about things that encapsulate the spirit of our podcast. A shot that grazes the rim. So different generations see different things, and they're both great. They both fit. So I love it. Yeah. Okay. Another thing. We got to shout out our first guest ever on the show. Yes. Uh, my dog, Roscoe. He was heard uh, last episode. An Easter egg, I guess. You know, might go back and listen and see if you can spot him. That's but he right. was definitely there. That's right. Uh, and then Charles Berkeley had a birthday this week. And yeah. I just want to shout out that he has the best basketball reference page of all time. Oh my gosh, the nicknames. It's like it's like someone's like roasting him with all these nicknames. Yeah. It's not even like there's nothing flattering about it. Why don't we can we pull it up and pick your favorite Charles Barkley nickname from that page? Yeah, I, I I I have mine. Do you okay. have yours? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the classics like Sir Charles, the round yeah. mound of rebound, the Chuckster, those are, you know, those ones we all know and love. But do you the one that jumped to me first was the incredible bulk. Yes, that is the exact one. <laughs> okay, I'll pick a different one. I'll pick a different one. Uh, how about the the wide load from Leeds? I don't know where Leeds is, but I'm assuming that's where he's from. It's Alabama. Yeah. Okay, good. It's all about him being fat. <laughs> that's all the, of the his ton, nicknames. The ton of ton of fun. <laughs> good for Charles. Good, he yeah. takes it in stride. We love yeah, him. He does. Good shout out to him. I will speaking of shout outs. I want to shout out Christian Wood mm-hmm. because we did an All Star reserves pick and we didn't talk about him at all. And also last week you mentioned the Rockets struggling. That right now they're on a seven game losing streak. And the last game Christian Wood played in was their last win. He's been out with an ankle yeah. injury. Yeah, like he is the forgotten All Star candidate because of the injury. Twenty two and ten, shooting forty two percent from three. Yeah, and he's an average defender, but advanced stats—they love him. That he, you know, he should he be in the be conversation. Yeah, he just won't be able to. No, and he won't make it, and he shouldn't make it. But he's played well enough that he deserves consideration. Right. So enough of that. Uh, we should move on to real basketball. Do some game recaps. Talking about real stuff now. Yes. Okay. So we've mentioned it last time. Uh, Devin Booker beat Ben Simmons in the Battle of Kendall Jenner. Oh, good. Real basketball. Uh, yeah. Keep yes. going. But the next night, the Sixers lost to the Jazz which means Ben Simmons lost to Jordan Clarkson, also a former ex of Man. the yeah. Back-to-back losses. Uh, he is now 1-3 against the Kendall exes, uh, including Blake, right. Ben Booker, Jordan Clarkson, Kyle Kuzma. Well, I will say, and, and shout-out to this developing story, because Jordan Clarkson had the career-high 40 against yeah. the Sixers. This is bringing yeah. out the best in these guys, and I'm here for it. I have to. We're going to keep updating you on records, the important stuff. Okay, this this uh, over the past couple of weeks, the Bucks have been struggling. Mm. Uh, they had a five game losing streak going. Finally, ended on Friday night when they they beat the uh, the lowly Thunder. Now all this is happening without Drew Holiday, and but with this, um, Sixers are still in the one seed. They've allowed the Nets to slide up into that two seed. Uh, Milwaukee's fallen back to third. Uh, what do you make of that, Rob? Well, I'm not worried about the Bucks because. They're just. It seems like they're finally not trying to win every regular season game, and they're experimenting. Like Giannis is setting way more ball screens. Like his his five most. How do we phrase this? The five games where he set the most ball screens in his career, the five individual games, have all happened this year. 
Like he's sending way more ball screens. They're experimenting with him at the five. On defense, they're trying, like they usually try not switching, but this sometimes they're switching everything. They're just mixing up philosophies, which I think is great because all of a sudden when you run into a team like the Heat in the playoffs last year that has these different philosophies and different formulas and you can't adapt and you lose. Right. So this is where they're trying to overcome that by just becoming better at different strategies of offensive and defensive styles. Yeah, it can only help them in the playoffs, I think. Uh, yeah, something else sure. is happening is we I mentioned this uh, a couple podcasts ago about the Miami Heats and Heat Twitter the reluctancy to trade uh, Tyler Hero for for James Harden. Yeah, and uh, it was straight up. They didn't want to trade him straight up. They didn't want to trade him some straight fans. Up. Yeah, and so we've seen what James Harden is doing in Brooklyn uh, the other night when KD and Kyrie were out. Put up 38 points, 11 assists, and seven rebounds to lead a huge comeback. I think a 24 point comeback uh, yeah. to beat the Suns. That same night, Tyler Hero goes 3 of 15 um, to the loss to the Warriors. And I just love that. Uh, I hope I hope he, Twitter has completely regrets the, what they're saying about him. Yeah, I love that, that the rest of NBA Twitter is turning on Heat Twitter. Yeah. Because they all realize that it was such a bad decision to not you know, even consider the Harden trade or seriously consider it. Like, I'm what, here for how it. is Tyler Hero untouchable? How does that make sense? <laughs> okay, uh, let me let's let's look into a game uh, that I watched this week. Yeah, a, a great one. Blazers Pelicans. Blazers win one twenty six one twenty four. This was the third straight game where Dame just had a like a Dame time dagger uh, late in the game. Goes off for fifteen and five assists in the first quarter. Finishes with forty three points and sixteen assists. Wow. The dude's just able to shoot from anywhere. I, I don't get it. Like, he must be looking at a hoop the size of the ocean. I'm just throwing <laughs> up on the ocean. Uh, it's, it's insane. Um, now, on the other side, they play the Pelicans. Zion had 36. Even hit a three in this game. Ooh, wow. I okay. watched Zion play, and I... How the hell are we the same species? He's incredible. I remember the I first the first episode, I was critical of his play, like, how good can he be? He's so good right now. He's yes. so good. Yes. And ha- do you ever look at his shot charts? No, I'm sure it's they, amazing. They are. It, it is so great. So many circles right inside the paint uh, for those made <laughs> shots. Just a hard left drive every time. So anyway, what happened? Blazers are down 124-123. Dan gets an and one bucket uh, to take the lead. So they're up 126-124. Pelicans have 15 seconds, last possession. Zion touches the ball zero times on the possession. Mm. It's a Brandon Ingram drive that ends up getting kicked out to Lonzo, who launches the three from five feet behind the line. Yeah. With like eight seconds still on the clock. Like so far? Yeah. And uh, and the ball end up getting tipped back out to the Pelicans and ends with an air ball from Brandon Ingram on a pull-up. It's like, how how does he not touch the ball? I would say if you're down two... I think a hard left-hand drive from Zion might be effective. That's true. You only need two points <laughs> if you're down two. Yeah. So, shout out to the Blazers. Uh, they were on a six-game win streak. They just they ended up losing last, I think, just last night. Uh, but Dame has them back, like at the four seed. Yeah. They're what's incredible to me is like all the advanced numbers and their the scoring and defense paints them as like a 500 team, but they're like yeah. what like 18 and 11 or something mm-hmm. like that. That it's just it's it's you know. We fall into the stereotype that Dame's this ultra clutch player and just always wins, but he's he's winning them games, like the games that should be fifty fifty. They're winning like seventy thirty because exactly. he's so good down because the stretch. His, his clutch numbers are awesome. Yeah, yeah. Shout out Dame. Love good Dame. for him. Good for him. Uh, so I wanted to, to to talk about two fifty point games on the same night. Same night. Yeah, couple fifty burgers. First one, uh, Jamal Murray, who responded to being pretty bad uh, this year. 
think it, what was he averaging? He was averaging 18 points a game this season. This week, he's averaging 31 and a half. Not bad. Including 50 points. The first 50-point game in NBA history with no free throws attempted. Unreal. Which, what a stat for that. And you pointed it out to me that it was the most efficient 50-point game shooting since Will Chamberlain. 21 of 25 for the field. Yeah. Unfortunately, not really resulting in wins. They're 3-2 and two in those five games. Murray's gone off. So, hopefully they can figure out why him scoring is not leading to more wins. But the other one, which is a game that I watched, was Bulls 76ers. Monster game for Joel Embiid. <laughs> There's not, not much to say, but just like down the stretch, their whole offense would just get him the ball in the mid-post, and they scored a lot of points. I feel like like it's going to tell like in big games in the playoffs, a lot of the Sixers' success will be determined by how many mid-range jumpers he settles for because he yeah. is so hard to stop when he goes to the rim. Yeah, I, I agree. That that mid-range jumper is so effective for him right now, though. Yeah, but I, like just as defense, you want him to shoot, even yeah, if he's you, making that, it. That's a, that's a win for yeah, him. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, moving on. We're talking our main story. We're going to talk about our favorite player, the one we love, Draymond Green. Right. We're not talking about his weird tweet he sent to Shaq. We're not talking about him single-handedly losing the game for him last night by picking up a technical. Um, but we are going to talk about his post-game comments from the other night. Right. Why aren't we talking about that? Because I want to talk about both those things because I think they're <laughs> hilarious. All I wrote, I wrote some stuff down. I want to talk about so that tweet you mentioned to Shaq. So the Kings played on TNT, and afterwards the TNT guys were talking about the Kings' struggles because the Kings lost to the Heat and how they just haven't really gotten it together over the, like the last decade. So got in the conversation of like how you build a team. And somebody said that they need more young players like Tyler Halliburton to build up the foundation. Mm-hmm. Shaq pushed back and said, it's not just about bringing young talent. Also, you need good veteran talent to mix in. And he also said that they had DeMarcus Cousins and never made the playoffs. They need good vets too. Draymond heard this, tweeted at Shaq, and said, DeMarcus Cousins produced when he was in Sacramento. Once again, people never want to blame the organization. And my question is, who isn't blaming the Kings? <laughs> like, the Kings haven't made the playoffs since 2005. Are they the worst franchise in the last 15 years? That's, that. yeah. Like, I'm who who isn't blaming the Kings for the Kings' struggles? Who's blaming... It's the most irrelevant organization of basketball. I don't know, like, like not to be ironic, but do NBA players live in a bubble where they don't see yeah. how much criticism organizations get? Yeah. They just see criticism for themselves and think the teams are blaming... I don't know. I just thought it was a really weird, out of taste tweet. It's like every like no one thinks the Kings are a good organization. Everyone blames the Kings. Everyone blames them. Yeah. Exactly. Everyone blames Vladdy. That's why he's gone. But nothing could excite me and live up to my expectations like Draymond Green blowing a game at the end due to his frustration, like he did in the 2016 Finals, which arguably cost them the championship. Do you want to do you want to talk about that? Yeah, last night. So Saturday night. Sorry, I guess we should. Oh yeah, that better. Yeah, we should probably tell you what day it is. Yeah. yeah. Saturday, Saturday night, the Warriors are playing the Hornets. Warriors are up two late in the game, and there's a jump ball. I mean, very late in the game, right? Like ten they, seconds. There's yeah, there's ten seconds left. It's a uh, ninety-eight to one hundred. Warriors are up, and there's a jump ball. I think the the Warriors end up like winning the tip, but somehow Gordon Hayward grabs the ball, gets a timeout before it gets tangled up again. Draymond freaks out on the refs. Yeah, he was I mean, the one that he jumped on it loaded. trying to get a jump ball. Right. Uh, but they called a timeout, awarded a timeout before that somehow. I don't know how they awarded it. But anyway, Draymond couldn't just shut up for another 10 seconds and let the game end. Instead, he gets teed up, ejected from the game. Hornets make the two technical free throws. 
and then hit a game winner. Amazing. Like, beautiful. I don't know how you can throw a game more vividly and more precisely than what this did. And I, so I watched, I went on Twitter and looked and people were arguing like, what a terrible timeout call. There's a, there's a very clear screenshot of Gordon Hayward with the ball. No one's, no one's on the floor with him yet. Everyone hasn't dove on the floor yet with the ball. PJ Washington calling timeout. He's doing the timeout motion with yeah. his hands. Like it was, you can argue about the call. I think, I think it was probably the right call. I mean, if you want to argue about the call, that's fine, but you, you can't use that. Like it's a questionable call. You can't use that to justify the right. antics of Draymond Green. I mean, like, what just, a, just shut up for 10 seconds. Yeah, what a terrible decision. You just caught your... Yeah, yeah. So, we love that. We do. And I wanted to mention it. But that's not the main story. So, for those of you that don't know, earlier in this week, it was either Monday or Tuesday, Draymond Green made a post-game speech about how we, as in the public, treat players versus how we treat teams, right? Mm-hmm. And you and I... We didn't see eye to eye on this, so we decided to just hash it out live yeah. for everything. So we're going to play a couple clips, and one of them is a little long, so we're going to play it a little faster so you listen to Draymond as little as possible. But basically, the context is Draymond Green was upset because he heard the Cavaliers plan to bench Andre Drummond until he gets traded. That Andre Drummond was actually warming up for a game, told to go change in the street clothes, had to sit on the bench. Draymond was very upset, called it bullshit in the interview. So we're going to play that first part for you. Because when James Harden asked for a trade and essentially dogged it, I don't think there was no surprise or no, you know, there's no one's going to fight back that James was dogging it his last days in Houston. But he was castrated for wanting to go to a different team and everybody destroyed that man. And yet a team can come out and say, oh, we want to trade a guy. And then that guy is to go sit. And if he doesn't stay professional, then he's a cancer and he's not good in someone's locker room and he's the issue. And we've seen situations of Harrison Barnes getting pulled off the bench. You know, DeMarcus Cousins finding out that he's traded in an interview after the All-Star game. And we continue to let this happen. But I got fined for stating my opinion of what I thought should happen with another player. But teams can come out and continue to say, oh, we're trading guys, we're not playing you. And yet we're to stay professional. At some point, as players, we need to be treated with the same respect and have the same rights that the team can have. At some point, this league has to protect the players from embarrassment like that. Okay, so yeah, you heard it. He actually he goes on to to compare Andre Drummond's case to uh, Anthony Davis. I think it was 2019. He requested a trade from the Pelicans, and he Anthony Davis got a big fine. He you know received a lot of negative press for it, and just comparing that double standard. What do you what do you think? What are your initial thoughts? What sticks out to me uh, is that I don't think Draymond knows what the word castrated means. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let me let me read my notes for you. I read. I made notes as I listened to it for the first time. The only note for that was, was it chemical or physical castration? Question mark. Because I don't know. Draymond didn't specify what type of castration James Harden received. And, that, and that's big news for us because we had, as, as fans of the NBA, no one who knew. No one knew that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I don't like. What, was he trying to say like Harden was cast out? Like ostracized? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. But yeah. But I guess moving on from that, I think it's a bad example to talk about Harden, you know, being the one what was it, that was circumcised. Is that what he said? Castrated. Castrated. Okay. It was a bad example to bring up Harden because, boy, did he not handle things well with his departure of Houston. Yeah. Do we want to get I, into Harden? I, I don't think we need to. I, I agree. He, I mean, John says that he dogged it. There's, yeah. There's, a, there's no question about that. Um, I, I just – I hate – my problem, or what I agree with Draymond on here, is I hate how they the players are told that they like are not allowed to be with the team anymore. 
like in not necessarily in Dra- uh, in uh, Andre Drummond's case, right? Uh, but Blake Griffin right now is told to stay away from the team. Like you're on the team, but um, you're not practicing, you're not doing anything hmm. until we can find some place for you to go. I-, I hate that. Yeah, that's fair. I will. I want to preface before I get into this is that this isn't just blind dislike of Draymond that I actually disagree with the substance for what he said yeah. so i want to get that out of here right now <laughs> my, my my issue is that well my first point was i think draymond's being a bitch so move <laughs> on from that um uh, i don't so he calls it a double standard and like all the headlines were like draymond calls out double standard mm-hmm. i don't think it's a double standard because a double standard is when two equal things are treated unequally like when men and women are treated differently at the workplace right yeah that's a double standard problem is Draymond's equating a single person to like a whole entity of a team like when he says at some point a player should have the same rights a team does like no they shouldn't here's the issue with with even within this context of trades that a player and teams having the same rights the reason is like a person is their own entity they have their own interests like a team operates on a giant scale they have responsibility to like their finances their owners their front office the city they live in and the fans all over the world and that obligation is to put the best product they can on the floor. Like, that's a ton of accountability. Who is a player accountable to, comparatively? Only themselves. You know, I guess you could say their family, but that boils down to they want to do what's best for themselves. Yeah. And when a player wants a trade, when he requests a trade, it comes for their own interest and at the expense of all of the team's best interests. It's exclusively their own interest. Like, as opposed to Harden or even Anthony Davis... They want what's best for themselves, not all of those other entities. When yeah. the Cavs do this with Drummond, they want what's best for all the entities. It's in the team's best interest. It's in the fans' best interest. Yeah, I think that's good. We're going to listen to the second clip, which I don't think is as long. You can say Andre Drummond is getting traded publicly, and we're looking to trade him publicly, and he's to stay professional and just deal with it? But then when Kyrie Irving say, oh, my mental health is off, everybody go crazy about that too. Do you not think that affects someone mentally? As much as we put into this game to be great, to come out here and be in shape, to produce for fans every single night, and most importantly, to help your team win, do you think that doesn't affect someone mentally? Okay, yeah. So Draymond also, in that clip, he, he talks about, you know, being traded and being benched can affect the player's mental health. And, and you know, he went to the example of how Kyrie's hiatus was treated by the public, and he didn't like that. I think uh, one other thing from this clip specifically, something that he said, was that um, he said it like questioningly that the players are expected to stay in shape and stay professional if they're not being played. Like he said it like the audacity of that statement. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, <laughs> you literally said the word professional and are mad that you as a professional have to act professional in a professional yeah. setting. Like I have a question. Like, like what about the NBA player that sits on the end of the bench? They have to stay in shape. They have to be professional and they're not playing. They're like not why is their play, case yeah. any different? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, so, so, the, so the the issue with with being traded, and I know it's kind of a double sided thing, but like you know Anthony Davis, we talked about as a better example than Harden, like he signed a contract. He said, "I'm excited to be in New Orleans through 2021." Well, whoops. Yeah. And you know, comparatively, like what about a team? Like they sign a contract with a player, and they have obligations to fulfill it, mm-hmm. right? You know, they sign Anthony Davis for 2021, and they trade him. Like, well, what if Anthony Davis wanted to stay? What about his rights? The problem is, is that a team, like I said, has so many obligations. And their first obligation is to put a good product on the court, the best product possible. They, Yeah, they have obligations to players, but the product on the court comes first. Like at the end of the day, the team-player relationship is a business relationship. 
and it has to be treated like that on the team's level. Like here's the thing, Draymond's not mad about trades happening. Like he understands that as a player, it's part of the deal that you know you have to move cities, you know, overnights, all this stuff. The trade trades just happen, right? They're part of the territory. By the way, they're part of the territory that lets him get paid twenty five million dollars a year. Exactly. What he's mad about is is like some of the negative PR that can come with it. Like like you play in an ultra famous league. Publicity is part of the deal. Like like Will Smith will never shop in a grocery store again peacefully. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Anything Will Smith says is magnified. Any mistake he makes makes the front page of the news. And that sucks. But if you come out and say, like complain about a situation, like it's not a fair he has his attention, like everyone would be like, Well, yeah, you look what you got into. You know, like this is this is what Draymond is doing in my eyes. He's he is you know, understanding and accepting of all the publicity he gets for being a rich, successful athlete, but upset with all the negative publicity that comes with it. Like, that's a double standard to me. And speaking of double standard, do you know what I can't do in my job? I can't just not show up to work for three days and expect to keep my job. Like, and I know, like, I don't want to joke about mental health, like Kyrie taking a mental health break. But but the issue is Kyrie didn't tell anyone after he was back. Like, he right. made Steve Nash talk on the air for four days. Like, well, yeah, I don't know where Kyrie is. I hope he's doing okay. We're excited to get him back. Like, you made, you, like yeah. you didn't tell people. You just left. I can't do that for three days without getting fired. Right. Yeah, like you said, I don't want to joke about mental health at all. Right. This is very serious. And I get, like you said, with all the all the pressure that are on these guys to perform, I can, I can imagine so many of them deal with mental health issues. Right, yeah, for sure. Um, so... Like Kevin Love and DeMar DeRozan speaking up about it. I think that's great for the league. But that's not what we're talking about here. Um, like you said, you can't just you can't just leave and not <laughs> and, and not just say where you're going or yeah. what's going on. Like you put he put the Nets in a horrible position. Who knew if he was coming back or not? Who knew where no one knew who, where he was? And which might have actually ended up working out. They might have traded for James Harden as a backup plan. That's true. That's uh, true. And now you got all three of them playing at a really high level. So I don't know what my point is here. I'm just okay. I'm just, I'm just talking. It <laughs> sounds good. You sound great. Yeah. And then the thing that I, I think you said at the very end, the league needs to protect players from embarrassment. Like what? That was my comment. That what question mark? <laughs> and this is, I think, the crux of why this rant that he has falls totally flat. It's not the league's job to shield players from negative publicity they bring upon themselves. Especially when they make decisions they know will not be received well. And here's like, that might sound like, you know, unfair pressure to put on the players. But the bottom line is, you know, fans drive the league. The reason Draymond Green is in the middle of a four-year, $100 million deal. Meanwhile, the average WNBA salary is $40,000 a year or whatever it is. is because people watch the NBA. Because millions of fans pay millions of dollars and spend millions of hours consuming their content. You know, it's funny when I think about it because, you know, when you hear somebody that like makes YouTube videos, whatever, like they call themselves a content creator, right? Oh, yeah. At the end of the day, the, the NBA is just content. Like Draymond's just a content creator with a lot of prestige and with a big salary. Yeah. And here's why, you know, the protection of players is hypocritical. Is because the only reason Draymond gets such a big check is because of the sponsors and the revenue, everything generated by the millions of fans that are irrationally devoted to the product. Draymond and mostly Steph, not really Draymond, but the products the players bring. The league is successful because of millions of people's, you know, rabid fandom, like that they love the game so much. So when Draymond goes to cash the $25 million check generated by all those fan interests, 
and then he turns around and sees James Harden do something that goes against the interests of all of those fans. Mm-hmm. Draymond has the audacity to be upset. Like, like he's upset that, that James Harden is castrated. Like, how dare they remove James Harden's metaphorical <laughs> foreskin for wanting to do something that goes against their interests? And I know it's like, you know, it's easy for me to be like, oh, well, it's a fan-driven league, and as a fan, I should have rights. Like, that's not what I'm trying to say. The fans basically are important to the league, and you you have to take the good with the bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess like putting the the pressure on a, a player who requests a trade, I get that. I I'm still on the on the player side. You have to know what you're getting into when you request a trade, though. And that that's means, true. That means the negative the negative side too. Um, I, the James Harden case is what is what the problem is for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, w- requesting a trade is one thing. Letting it known be known that you don't want to be in a certain place anymore. Well, especially and, and like for him, for yeah. him, it's everything has changed around him. Daryl Morey's gone. Mike D'Antoni's gone. Uh, like Russ is gone. There's everything's new for James Harden. I get why he wanted to leave, but to be like toxic, especially like in the locker room, like you heard how what Boogie had to say about him yeah. in the post game interview. Um, that's the problem I have with players requesting trades and then just giving up. I hate that part of it. But I also get that they are what they are what drive the league. The players are what drives the league. Um, so they should have a say in what um, they want to do with their careers. Yeah, that's fair. And I do. I want to say I'm not. You know, if 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 we draw the line, I'm not going to side with the owners over the players. Right. But I, I just think that that well, first of all. You know, the NBA is way ahead of a lot of other leagues in terms of player rights and player yeah, freedom. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, that's a much better word. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, we didn't even talk about how poorly Harden treated the city while he was there. That he just, I mean, he was really good, which is nice. Yeah, he but, kept those strip clubs in business, though. Well, it's just that, just that, you know, whenever he wanted somebody traded, they were traded. If he wanted a different coach, they got a different coach. Like, he, they, they bent over backwards for him, and then right. it's not working, and, you know, things start looking grim, so he just bails, and like you said, just yeah. totally throws in the towel. So, yeah, bad example, Harden was. Right. I guess to wrap it up, why why I reacted negatively to this, and again, this is going to sound biased, but when LeBron came out and agreed with Draymond, like LeBron just, like, retweeted the, the interview and said, we just want people to understand there's two sides to the coin. It's not one-sided. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. I agree. Like, like <laughs> that. I think that's all that needs to be said. Is that the players are people too? You know, they have their own issues, their own stress, and there's a lot that gets put on them that's not necessarily fair. I right. get that. But, but the three minute rant, the, like, the audacity to criticize players. Yeah. I don't like. I, I think it's very tone deaf. And like mm-hmm. I made the bubble comment. I think they're they're very quick to dismiss all the pros that come with being an NBA player or brush over them and focus on the few things that are, are tough about the job. Yeah. So I don't like it. Okay. Well, you know what? You know what I don't like? Tell me. Uh, how Joel Embiid is being a bitch. Ooh, that's that's a, the headline for mine too. Yeah, go on. Tell me. Uh, so he has said that LeBron James, when he committed the, uh, the flagrant foul on Joel Embiid, pushed, kinda pushed him in quotations. That was what? There. I mean, it was like, what, a month ago or so? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Joel Embiid fell on his back um, and has, has claimed that he has really bad back issues that are a result of that play. Hmm. And so my, my problem with that is that that was the 19th game of the season. That he got hurt? 
Yes. Okay. In the 18 before that, he had missed four of them. So over 20% of their games up to that point, he had missed with back tightness. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I can right there, I can just say that's not when it started, when your back problem started. Mm. Uh, you've played 11 games since, and you've only missed two of those. So stop flopping, you big dumb idiot. <laughs> Get buckets I, like you did on Friday night. Yeah. More, much more enjoyable to watch. Just that's play true. Basketball. I, yeah. Here, here's what I think is happening. Is that... that and Bede's heard the media narrative about LeBron successfully politicking and campaigning for MVP. And he wanted to try it himself. So yeah. he thought, let's do a little character assassination. Exactly. Say mean things about LeBron. People turn on him. Boom, I'm the favorite for MVP. I don't think it's going to work, but I guess I applaud the effort. Uh, yeah. I can't knock the hustle. Yeah. Well, speaking of injuries, we got a, we got a big one mm. going on now. Uh, Anthony Davis. Uh, right Achilles tendinosis or right calf strain. Uh, they say he's going to be about out about four weeks. So with my background um, in physical therapy, I can tell you uh, that he's hurt. Thank goodness. Have the Lakers called you? Because they should. Not yet. Uh, well, I, so as a Lakers fan, I hate this. I hate this. First of all, I will point out. So he went down, I think it was like early in the week. He he went that made a move, went down, gripping his Achilles injury. But, of course, shot the free throws, walked off, ruled with calf strain. I want to point out, uh, I think it was a few months ago, maybe, Marcus Smart also had a calf strain in the game. <laughs> it looked like he actually tore his Achilles the way he reacted to it. He yeah. was in so much pain. And I don't want to make fun of injuries or people being injured. But I, I do think there's some truth in that how you react to an injury uh, shows how tough you really are. And for Marcus Smart, supposedly this big tough guy. I don't know. But anyways, back to Anthony Davis. The worst case scenario for the Lakers, like as in, you know, moderately realistic, because, you know, obviously LeBron could, oh God, I was going to say, like, be in a plane crash, but I don't think that's a good taste. Oh, God, don't say that. Like LeBron, you know, LeBron could suffer some serious freak accident, which obviously would be worst case scenario. But that's obviously not realistic. But Anthony Davis, who has injury history, getting hurt, Especially last year when he came off his like arguably the healthiest season of his career, yeah, that you know it's it's within the realm of possibility, and this is the next worst thing to a serious injury, because this is going to be looming all season. Whenever he comes back, every time he goes down, every time he tweaks something, every everyone's that wants the Lakers to succeed is going to be holding their breath, and and I'm reminded of the you know in the 2019 finals the Durant Achilles tear. Yeah. That started because he rushed back from a calf injury. And so my like, keep it if Anthony Davis doesn't play a game for the rest of the regular season and the Lakers are the eighth seed and he comes back healthy, I'm fine. Right. Like like I just I do not want him to reaggravate this injury. So so in all seriousness, this is it's a chronic inflammation injury um, that only goes away with rest, truly. Um, the Achilles tendon is weakened right now because of the inflammation. So like you said with Kevin Durant, the reason that he when he rushed back, he didn't give it enough time to heal, made that uh, that tendon a little weaker, which caused it to rupture, uh, which is would be, like you said, worst case scenario. Yeah. And so I'm telling the Lakers, when they call me for advice, right. do not even let Anthony Davis practice for four weeks. Put him in boot. Work, work him back slowly. They did say last night he's getting treatment like five times a day. Good. Yeah, good. What else uh, is he going to do? Exactly. So um, get him healthy. Don't, don't even... Like you said, the Lakers are the eight seed. I'm still not worried as long as they're healthy for the playoffs. Right. You know, LeBron's teams are, especially with the Cavs, um, notorious for finishing like the four seed and still making the finals. So, 
Um, there's there is another like another gear when they get to the playoffs. Uh, they just got to be healthy to make that run. But what's interesting, I don't know, I can't remember who brought this up, but um, this could have a huge effect on the MVP race. What do you think of that? How this could affect that? I don't know. Like I don't know if this is like make or break for LeBron's MVP case, like how they perform without Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be interesting. It it, it and. Here's what's going to happen is LeBron's numbers are going to go up and the team success is going to go down. In the three games since Anthony Davis has been out, LeBron's 27 and a half, 10 and 9, which mm-hmm. is a little better. He's also he's been struggling to shoot the three. He's cooled yeah. off since beginning of the season. So what stay tuned. Night, I, think. I know. Stay tuned. Hopefully that bounces back. But yeah, that it, it throws a wrench in the MVP race for sure. And I guess we can talk about an MVP race update because this year is is boy, it is. Looking like a hot one, yeah. yeah. And year, I don't know how it's been like three or four years at least since it's been a race this close at this point in the season. And so I think we're gonna like there's kind of been some more separation, some movement. So I'm gonna break it down a little bit. There's still kind of at the highest tier, like the serious threats. It's three players at this point. It's LeBron, Embiid, and Jokic. And I think that they have separated themselves. I, honestly, it could be any order. They've separated themselves as the favorites. Mm-hmm. We talked about KD on the MVP episode, and he's just missed too many games. He's missed over a third of the season, and I think that trend's going to continue that he's kind of sat himself out of the race. Yeah. Uh, next, kind of the next outside looking in that I think is is Kawhi, Curry, and Damian Lillard, and they have played great to the point that they're kind of all threatening to break into the echelon of the, uh, of the next tier. And I want to say, I want a quick shout-out to Steph. Because at the beginning of the year, I was curious if he could, you know, produce without a great team around him like he's had it for so many years. And he is. Boy, is he. Uh, like, it's at the point where other teams are begging other players besides Curry to shoot. Like, like if Andrew Wiggins shoots 25 shots, there's going to be a gift basket from the other team in his locker at the end of the yeah. game, right? Yeah. And he's still, like, he's, I think he's not quite 50, 40, 90, but it's in two point, like he's 49 40 90 like he's almost 50 40 90 so he's still very efficient with defenses just draped all over him so which i think yeah. is awesome yeah like you mentioned uh both steph and dame kind of making a, a big push here dame like I, we talked about him earlier they're 18 11 in the four seed without cj mccollum and yusuf nurkic the nurkic loss isn't that big for me because in his can his candor is basically the same player they're both <laughs> okay. finishing they're finishing at the rim uh, yeah. off dame assists but Dame's averaging 29.8 and 7.7 assists. So 30 points, almost 80 assists. Wow. While shooting, I mean, he, he shoots a good percentage from three, 38%, but he's taking 11 a game. So uh, when the whole defense is focused on him, still pretty impressive. But what he's doing that I like this year is, he's like I said, he's racking up assists. Yeah. His passing is, is much improved for me. Um, and he's the reason that they're that they're good. So that, that, that alone is a case for MVP. And for Steph... I honestly wasn't sure this team was capable of making the playoffs. Right. I was. I, I, I was really hesitant to think that they would be would be decent, and a lot of that has to do with. Uh, I'm gonna hate him saying this. Oh Jesus! The Andrew Wiggins has shown flashes of looking good at times. Yeah, good for uh, him. You can cut that part out. But okay. He uh, Steph's averaging 30, six assists, shooting 42 percent from three. He's taking 12 threes a game. When you watch him, <laughs> these aren't these aren't like he, he will never get a ke- uh, like a. Uncontested catch and shoot three. Yeah, these are off the bounce or running off a screen. What the dude does is incredible, and I, with the whole LeBron versus the Warriors, I've I have not taken the time to appreciate Steph Curry as much as I should. Hmm. 
Um, and knowing that they're not truly a threat right now, <laughs> it, it gives me... You can appreciate it. Gives, them. Okay. it has allowed me to just enjoy watching stuff. Okay, well, good. I'm happy for you. <laughs> I do... Uh, so, yeah, I guess keep an eye on the MVP race. I also I guess we could shout out Luca because he's putting up yeah. amazing numbers and the, the team's just not performing well. But if they – I think they're almost 500. Like they've kind of battled back. Mm-hmm. If they keep playing well, he's going to fly into the race. He'll get, yeah, he'll get in the conversation. I do. I, I want to – there's a name that I heard as a dark horse, and I think it's crazy, but I love it. I'm going to tell you why. It's a little conspiracy theory. Uh, so I, I've been watching more jazz games since they've been playing so well. Yeah, and the more I watch, like, like it's obvious to see that Rudy Gobert is their most important player. Definitely. That that even though he doesn't get a lot of touches and he's not like a good scorer, he's hugely involved offensively. They don't run a lot of ISO. Like like he's a, like you said, he's a crazy active screener. Mm-hmm. And not to mention the defensive end, like the defense runs through him. Oh yeah. In no way. So so here's what that his name creeped up in MVP noise. Like not as a real contender, but like oh keep an eye on Gobert. Like, like if the Jazz can you know, relatively keep up their the record that they have, where they're hands down the best record in the NBA, Rico Bear will, will be at least a top eight MVP candidate in terms of yeah. finishes. And like like we said, narratives run the MVP race when it's this close. We've talked about LeBron has the legacy argument and that, that, that people have kind of fallen back in love with giving it to him because he's the best player in the league. Not to mention that he's putting up solid numbers. He's not a good team. He's playing every game. But, you know, guys like Embiid and Jokic are putting up better numbers. Mm-hmm. And Embiid's team might finish with a better record, especially with Anthony Davis out. Right. And if they do, that Embiid would have a case for the best player on the best team argument that LeBron, you know, we, we thought would have, like, at the start of the season, right? Yeah. Then along came Rudy. Picture Rudy Gobert coming out of the tunnel, like, you know, with the movie, people chanting as they hear his name. Because <laughs> Rudy Gobert... Has will take the mantle for best player on the best team. People yeah. that subscribe to the mentality that the MVP should be on the best team, they would have liked Embiid's case, but now they like Rudy's case. That Just they're going to steal a, some votes. As a mental exercise, can you, in your mind, picture Rudy Gobert holding up the MVP trophy? I cannot. <laughs> I can't picture him in the All-Star game, but that's going to happen, <laughs> and it has happened. So I just, I, I think that that's, Basically, Rudy Gobert is muddying up the waters in the All-Star race, and I think that people would just default give it to LeBron. Yeah. So I'm here for it. Yeah. All right. Good MVP talk. We're going to move on to a new segment that, that when there's not a, a huge basketball story, uh, we're going to try to revisit some teams or visit for the first time some teams that we haven't really talked about. This is a segment called Peak My Interest, where we both pick a team that we haven't really talked about or haven't talked about for a while and find something interesting. Peak My Interest. So do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Okay. So I want to talk about the Chicago Bulls. Okay. Who, if you are just a fan of entertaining basketball, should be the team to watch, mainly because of Zach Levine. And I'll <laughs> okay. apologize to empty calories, Zach Levine. Right. His dad, Zach Levine. He's incredible to watch. He's going to be an all-star. Well, who knows? But he did well deserves to be an all-star. Mm, okay. The Chicago Bulls are kind of like a sleeping giant in the NBA. And I say that because... It's a huge market. The history alone speaks for itself. Uh, And they have quite a bit of young talent around, whether that means developing them or making a move for uh, somebody else. Players like Wendell Carter, Kobe White, Laurie Markkinen, those guys could be moved uh, in a deal for somebody big uh, to put aside Zach Levine. Now, what I love about the Bulls, if you get a chance to watch them, watch out for the number four pick, Patrick Williams, who 
is kind of a forgettable person. But he's like Kawhi Leonard Light, the free version of Kawhi Leonard. A lot of his movements remind me a lot of Kawhi. Wow, okay. It's high yeah. praise. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a ring endorsement for him. Um, great defender, great instincts, long enough uh, to score around the rim. And his his jumper is a like a, a work in progress, but I mean, Kawhi's offensive game wasn't there to start either. Uh, so they're competitive in a lot of games. If you're looking for enjoyable, watch, watchable basketball, turn on Zach Levine. But not if you want the team you're rooting for to win. Exactly. Maybe tune into the Bulls. Yeah, that, that's interesting because like Kawhi is kind of famous for not having a meteoric rise to start him. Like he just very slowly ascended. Yes. So you know, Kawhi Leonard's rookie year was very Kawhi Leonard light because he yes. hadn't developed the skills. <laughs> so yes, I guess keep an eye on him, huh? Yeah. That's good. That, that's good. Uh, my interesting team is for a different reason, and I'm going to talk about the Boston Celtics because they were you know a finals contender they have been a finals contender for god knows how long and they are not playing like it so right now they are 15 and 14 it's they're fourth in the east but the east is a total cluster like there's three games between them at fourth and 11th place what's interesting is that kim walker started the season hurt they are 7 and 11 since he came back from injury he has been bad their offensive rating has been worse with him on the floor and lord knows he's not a great defender but besides that i mean the issue is their depth like and it makes Kemba's struggles look worse because they don't have anybody else to play if Kemba's not playing well. Play also, Marcus Smart's injury. Well, he's <laughs> he's the one good spot on the bench. So okay, but Marcus Smart's injury makes their depth even thinner. Like the issues yeah. are, they didn't replace Gordon Hayward. Like I think that as well as he's doing, we're seeing that he contributed more than his numbers indicated. Mm-hmm. Didn't replace Hayward. Their veteran signings were Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague, and they have been awful. Jeff Teague has played himself out of the rotation. He's, yeah, he's been so not bad. Even in the yeah, and and like like the depth is so bad. Like the team just does not exist without Tatum and Brown. They're they have a negative points per one hundred when either one of them is on the bench. Lord knows when they're both off. They need them both on the floor to have a positive point differential. Here's why I'm interested in them. You know, the Boston Celtics get all this noise for being savvy. Traders, they haven't made a midseason trade since 2015 when they traded for Isaiah Thomas, interestingly enough. So obviously that needs to change, and that could be a league-shifting trade if they make a big trade. The question is who and how they're going to make this trade. They have a fat, PH fat (laughs) trade exception from the Gordon Hayward trade. Yes, they do. For those that don't know, I guess we can break into it. Uh, So a trade exception... When a team that's over the salary cap trades a player and doesn't get a player in return, they get a trade exception equal to the contract that they sent out, essentially. So for the next calendar year after the trade, the Celtics can receive a player up to the value of the contract they traded out, ignoring the regular cap restrictions. So they can trade in a player and it doesn't have to fit their salary cap because of the trade exception. Right. So they have this big cap exception just kind of sitting there that they have to use or they lose. Yeah, it's... It's like because salaries have to match when you make trades. Right. And so, yeah, so that's why. It's, so the, it's, the trade exception allows that to not happen. They don't have to match salaries. Yeah. But again, like I said, it's a use it or lose it thing. And they need help. So who are they going to use it Barnes. on? Harrison, like I've seen, you know, like they could break it up, go for several, you know, kind of pieces. Harrison Barnes, Vucevic, Miles oh, Turner. My. There's been a lot of names that popped up. I hate the Celtics, but I would love to see Vucevic in a winning, like a winning. Oh, I don't know if it, if it, that's the cost it comes at. 
but but they're like they are struggling, especially by their standards for what they expected, and they're gonna need to make a move. So stay tuned on what that move mm-hmm. is. Okay, so we're gonna move on to Splash Pass, and this week's episode. We talked about the Anthony Davis injury, so we thought it was a good injury episode. We're going to highlight for our Splasher Pass topic, how do you respond to an injury? On one end, we have Kobe, who tore his Achilles, made free throws, walked off the court. And on the other end, do you want to talk about the other end? Uh, Paul Pierce, who shit his pants in the middle of the game, had to get wheelchair to the locker room. <laughs> yeah, for those, if you don't remember, it was 2008 playoffs, and right? We, yeah. Where Paul Pierce went down with a looked like a gruesome knee injury, <laughs> couldn't put weight on it, had to get wheelchaired off, came back like the next quarter and Jogging scored on to like a yeah, ovation, yeah, yeah, scored like fifteen <laughs> points, and then like 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 last year, he he came out and said, yeah, I had to poop, so I faked <laughs> an injury or something like that. Like, oh god, I don't. Why can't you just like like hobble off with an ankle injury? Like, why does it have to it be so serious? So you have to get wheelchaired <laughs> off. Oh my gosh! So, so yeah, obviously, splash or pass, splashing with Kobe, passing with Paul Pierce. Start as always with the trade rumors. That's right. What do you got for me this week? <laughs> okay, I got. Well, we mentioned with with the Draymond issues that Draymond had, not Draymond's issues. The issues Draymond had, players getting shut down to be traded, and specifically two of them, Andre Drummond, Blake Griffin for the Cavs and Pistons. Both of them on tanking teams. Both of them relatively. I don't know if even performing well. Both of them are NBA players that are, are being <laughs> shut down while they look for trade partners. I guess do you want to? We'll start with uh, Andre Drummond. How do you feel about this? I am Paul Pierce, Andre Drummond. If he if he ends up going into the Nets, uh, because they are in need of a center, right? And God, that would be a big he man helps them. Yeah, that would be a big man to put in the middle of that. Uh, well, I'll tell you, I'm I'm Kobe on this because I think. Spoiler alert, unlike Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond's going to have several suitors that he's not going to yes. make it to the buyout market that someone's going to offer something for That's him. That's true. I mean, even if it's a second-round pick, it's an upgrade over... Buyout, you know, for sure. And uh, something worth mentioning with these two guys, Andre Drummond's on an expiring contract. Mm-hmm. Blake Griffin next year has a $40 million yes, player option. insane. So he's going to pick up. That's right. So any team that wants to trade for him has to be prepared to take on that salary. And they have to be able to take on the uh, corpse of Blake Griffin. That's right. That's why I am I am Paul Pierce on anything happening in the trade market with Blake Griffin because there's yes. no way in hell you would have to the Pistons would have to incentivize taking on this contract. Yeah, like there's yeah. no way anybody would give up something. They would take on this if they got something else in return. Forty million dollars. Yeah, that's insane. I will say something exciting. Blake Griffin, I think even though it would be a much bigger buyout for the team, Blake Griffin is more likely to get bought out. And so he's going to go to a contender. There's no way the Nets, the Nets, let's say the Nets, he does not feel a need for the Nets. He hates the Clippers. The Lakers could use some scoring. Just like somebody to run the offense. It makes sense. And plus, how sweet would it be for Blake Griffin to come back and win a ring for the big brother of his (laughs) former team? I think that would be awesome. So speaking of actually buyouts, DeMarcus Cousins. Getting bought out. Yeah. Yes. Another name to watch for the Lakers. I Hopefully not the Nets. This is, I am Kobe on this. Uh, well, here's this. So I'm Kobe uh, for Boogie. I, I think he showed he has he has some left. In yeah, him. for sure, for sure. Um, he apparently they loved him in that Lakers locker room last year, even though he never played a game. For right. Him. Like I said, him, Anthony Davis are really good friends. He's not going to Brooklyn. 
because of how it. Oh, because he hates James with, Harden. Exactly. Right. Right. Good. Okay. So I think the like the Lakers are a, like a shoe in to get boogie. Good. I like that. I like the way that sounds. So I'll Kobe on that. And then finally, the Knicks are active in the selling market of Kevin Knox, and you put okay. in parentheses no shit. <laughs> yeah. I I'm actually kind of Kobe on somebody buying really low on Kevin Knox. Okay. I, I that's a good point that you're not gonna get him for cheaper than you could now. Exactly. I will say, I'm Paul Pierce on just the thought of this because <laughs> isn't it, like every team would move the 14th guy on their bench if they could get something in return. Like, like why is this news that hey we're offering up a guy that we don't care about? Because he was a top 10 pick. Well, it sounds like the Knicks. Exactly. All right. So good trade rumors. Uh, next watch should pass is how are we free. How do we feel about this? Because we feel I, the same way. I am I am Paul Pierce on the TNT crew right okay, now. Okay, that's good. As a whole. That's good. It was a rough week for the TNT crew. So we're going to play you a clip from the TNT crew from our favorite analysis, Shaquille O'Neal, talking about the analysis for a Raptors game. Five out of five and three out of three in that first quarter when he scored 15 of his 17 points. But you got your eyes on Pascal. No, I got my eyes on Siakam. Pascal Siakam. Oh, I, I, I never knew his first check. Check, please. So, I don't understand how you get paid to. We we said one time we don't know if we can call analysis. Right, what Shaq does, do. yeah. Er, Ernie Johnson says, "Oh, Shaq, you got your eyes on Pascal," and Shaq says, "No, I got my eyes on Siakam." How do you not know that his name is Pascal Siakam? Yeah, I love it. I love, it. and you listened. You heard it in the clip. That there's like a split second where Shaq says, "No, I got my eyes on Siakam," yeah. and Ernie says, "Yeah, Pascal Siakam." <laughs> like, what's happening? An yeah, NBA champion and an All Star last year, a Most Improved Player, I think, two years ago. Yeah, how do you not know who? He Plus, is? it's a really unique name. How do you not remember <laughs> Siakam? Exactly. I just like what's incredible to me is that obviously they don't see the graphics we see, but it flashed the name Pascal Siakam, and <laughs> Ernie like read off the stats that the graphic was showing. So obviously they see something. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. So so I just, like you said, I don't know how you don't know his first name or if you know you're going to be talking about somebody, look up his first name. Well, yeah, he says like, oh, I didn't know that was his first name. <laughs> okay. Great. And then that same night, Charles Barkley says that uh, Jordan Clarkson deserves to be an all-star over... Eight. Right. Yeah, they're doing their like all-star reserve predictions. And, and Charles Barkley is high on Jordan Clarkson, <laughs> and high on something else too. We don't. Know. <laughs> and also, I don't. Gosh, I don't remember who it was that said it. It was either Shaq or Charles. Somebody said they didn't want Jason Tatum to be an All Star because they weren't putting up All Star like numbers. And Kenny was quick to be like, "He's averaging twenty five points a game." <laughs> Meanwhile, I don't remember. I still don't remember if it was Shaq or Charles. But that person had Jimmy Butler in their All Star, who was just worst across the board numbers this yeah. year. Than right. Jason Tatum. Yeah, the, like I said, soft on the word analysis. Yes. Okay, I am Kobe on Kyrie Irving and Kyrie Irving just doubling down into this persona that he yes, has. Yes, the mythos of Kyrie uh, Irving being, is yes, growing. Being 100% Kyrie Irving. Yes. He showed up to the game the other night with a walking stick, walking through the <laughs> It was hilarious. Yeah, that is I great. I loved it. No one else. You wouldn't expect anyone else to do this. <laughs> what I love about Kyrie this week was that after a post-game win, where he and Harden both played well. Kyrie said, he spoke about a time in practice a few days before we walked up to Harden. He said, I walked up to Harden and I told him, you're the point guard, I'm the shooting guard, simple as that. And that's how it went. 
I love this quote so much because I know for a fact that Kyrie was very careful to say, it was my idea. I Not told him yeah. he's point guard. I'm the shooting guard. I, and I love this. Like, this is savvy from Kyrie because we all know Harden's the better player. Harden should be on the ball more. Harden should have more control of the offense than Kyrie. So what Kyrie's doing is Kyrie just preemptively taking credit for all of Harden's success by saying it was my idea to have him on the ball. That He's the facilitator behind this I whole thing. I him to play there. Exactly. I'm sure Kyrie will try to take credit for this. The other thing is I'm not entirely convinced. The Nets coaches you know, could foresee that Harden would be better and deserve more ball time. And in practice said to Kyrie one day, hey, what if you were the shooting guard and he was the point guard? More shots for you, right? And Kyrie is like, ooh, I like that idea. Shooting I'm going to go tell Harden right now that <laughs> my new idea that I just thought of. I just, we can't rule that out. I know. Okay, Rob, this yeah. is... So we got our own. Something I'm very passionate about here. Yeah. Okay. I am Paul Pierce on um, NBA League Pass right now. Oh, okay. So where I live in Omaha, Nebraska, we get... Ooh, revealing your public information. Exactly. Careful. Come find me. Uh, <laughs> we are blacked out games from the Thunder, Timberwolves, and Nuggets. So I cannot watch any of those games wow, on okay. NBA League Pass. Yeah. We don't have our own team, so I don't give what the point of that is. So, what I'm really upset about here, I don't care about all that. I care about that they're preventing me from watching Alexei Pukashevsky play basketball. Right, and, on the and Thunder. You have, you have watched him play basketball, correct? I have, yeah. The rookie for the Thunder, for those that aren't yes. familiar. Yes. Okay, so you know that my nickname for him, which is the Poo Poo Chef, is very, <laughs> is very fitting. Yeah, Because okay. he's whipping up shitty performances every night. <laughs> so, those who don't know, he is a 7-foot Serbian who weighs 190 pounds. Yes. Which, mind-blowing. Right, he was the 17th overall pick this last year, um, and he's currently playing in the G League bubble. So I'm taking full advantage of every second I can watch of him. Right, in the NBA this year, in 17 games, he averaged uh, 3.3 points and 3.5 rebounds, but he's shooting 24% from the field and 18% from three. Oh God, yeah. Yeah. So I've never seen a guy look so out of place on a basketball court. <laughs> it's a sight to behold. I love it. I'm taking full advantage, like I said. So you think, oh, he's, he's playing in the G League bubble. He's got to be doing better, right? Well, he is. He's averaging five points and six rebounds. But he's also, okay. averaging, he's also averaging four and a half turnovers a game. And his <laughs> turnovers are hilarious. <laughs> um, he's, uh, he's shooting a worse percentage in the G League than he was in the NBA. He's shooting 21%. Oh, my God. He's seven feet tall and has yet to attempt a free throw in any game, <laughs> NBA or G League. <laughs> now, I, I say all this uh, because he is a kid. He's a, like... 17, 18, however, however young he is. Uh, and he's got a chance to be talented. Like he's got, he's seven footer with a nice handle. He has, in theory, a good looking jump shot. He doesn't uh, lack confidence. And um, I think, do you ever remember watching like Thon Maker highlights in high yeah, school? Yeah, yeah. Like it, it kind of looks like that. Uh, so I think he's got potential to, to be something. Good for him. And yeah. And enjoy this this ride uh, until he's good. I'm declaring myself the. Uh, the president of the Poo Poo Chef fan. <laughs> I do. I love that. I know, you know, after seeing Giannis, if there's a small chance you can find the next Giannis, you know, a foreigner <laughs> with a huge frame that has yet to fill out one bit, you know, it might be worth a pick. I don't know exactly. about a top 20 pick, yeah, but I do know true. the Thunder have enough picks to just chuck them all at a dartboard and see if any stick. So right. I buy it. Okay. So I am going to Kobe. Speaking of Kobe, on one Michael Jordan. It's Michael Jordan's birthday, isn't it? Yeah, it was his birthday this week. Uh, I thought in honor of his birthday, 
uh, we should retire from podcasting before he gets suspended for gambling uh, to save our <laughs> credibility. That's good. I like that. Uh, but that's not why I was high on Jordan. I I want to talk about Michael Jordan, a man who famously evolved his game to succeed, but never evolved in his ability to evaluate talent. So I want to take a little trip down memory lane for how Michael Jordan might be the worst owner in the NBA right now. Yeah. So Michael Jordan's been the owner of the Hornets since 2010, but he's been a minority owner since 2006 and allegedly had the final say on all basketball decisions since then. A fun fact, do you know who the, the Hornets drafted? With the number three pick in 2006, the first year Jordan was with the team, it was Adam Morrison. So, oh. good start. Oh, so, since it. since Michael Jordan has been the majority owner, 2010, and has had all of the say basketball-wise, they have had three playoff appearances, uh, got swept twice, and seven top ten picks. So, more top ten picks than playoff wins. I'm going to take you through some of those picks. And it's easy to like, you know, oh, all these teams passed on Giannis, you know, but nobody thought Giannis would be that good. So it's not like, you know, for Giannis not to be taken number one, you can't blame teams because they didn't know. So I tried to be relatively realistic. So the first time, they traded into the seventh pick in 2011 to draft Bismack Biombo. (sighs) Meanwhile, Clay Thompson went four picks later at 11, Kawhi at 15. Uh, They also drafted Tobias Harris at number 20. That's a good pick, right? Well, they traded him for past his prime, Corey McGetty. That team was the worst statistical team in NBA history with seven wins. In the lockout year, yeah. Yes. Uh, the next year, they had the number two pick. There was a clear number one pick with Anthony Davis, but oh, number gosh. two was kind of up in the air. They drafted Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Meanwhile, go... well, Bradley Beal went three, oh, okay, yeah. and Dame went somewhere in top ten. Uh, 2015 draft, the Celtics offered four first-round picks to move to number nine. The Hornets said, no way, we need to draft Frank Kaminsky. And so they did. They <laughs> turned down four first-round picks to draft Frank Kaminsky. Uh, not to mention, speaking of other GM moves, uh, in 2003, Jordan was in talks to buy the Bucks after his retirement. He told the Bucks who to draft, and they listened, and the buyout eventually fell through, obviously. In 2003, was one of the all-time best drafts. Who did the Bucks draft? T.J. Ford. Oh. So good to see that. That hasn't changed, and a report came out in 1987 draft. The Bulls had the number 10 pick, and they traded to get the rights to pick number 5. With those two picks, Jordan wanted them to use one of them to draft his old UNC teammate, Joe Wolf. Mm. Well, the Bulls didn't listen and instead drafted Scottie Pippen and Horace Grant. Oh. Meanwhile, Jordan was unhappy with those picks because, again, he wanted his guy, Joe Wolf. Who I've never heard of. Exactly. So Jordan's... Ability to evaluate talent has not changed in that it's always been terrible. So shout out Michael Jordan. Okay, I am moving on. I am Kobe on this. I don't know if you've seen this, but the Jonas Valanciunas uh, threw Chemezi Metu off of the rim after a dunk. Have you seen this? I haven't seen it. I heard it. I didn't want okay. to watch because it sounded kind of brutal. Metu dunked and swung his legs over on Valanciunas. Like Shaq would do. Standing like prime Shaq, right? I love. That is, <laughs> okay. That is... Uh, it's an anyway, alpha move for sure, yeah. Exactly. So Metsu's hanging on the rim. Valanciunas grabs his legs and spins him off of the rim. Uh, Metsu falls and like lands on his hand. Ends up fracturing his wrist. Yeah. You know, Valanciunas didn't get ejected from the game or anything like that. <laughs> but I love the mentality of just disrespecting your opponent on a dunk. Right. Even I'm if it costs you your arm. <laughs> but I'll tell you, I would be pissed if I were the Kings. Oh, me too. Like... Yeah. And I get and I get the whole like oh don't disrespect 
your opponent by doing it, which I disagree with. I love it. Do it more. Yeah. Um, but you can't just grab a guy's legs and swing it. Yeah, you the break the guy's wrist. Yeah. So, if, yeah, if you haven't seen it, go check out the, the clip. Um, I'll post it on the Twitter, actually. Oh, thank goodness. Okay. At Grace Room. Right. Okay. Well, I am Kobe on playing the long game. And ironically, I am Kobe on this because I'm talking about Paul Pierce. Uh, so January 8th, one Paul Pierce said that Luca's game, how Luca played, was reminiscent of himself. That when he watched Luca play, he was reminded of himself. And obviously he got torched for this online for being a terrible take. I will say in his defense, rarely I'm going to take Paul Pierce's defense, there are similarities in the fact that they're not super athletic, good shooters, kind of cerebral players. So I kind of get it, but you can't say that when the guy is so much better than you. So this week, guess who Paul Pierce came out and said was the most skilled player in the league today? Luka. Luka Doncic. That's right. <laughs> Paul Pierce playing the long game gets every gets in your brain to associate Luka and Paul Pierce, and then when you hear Luka's skill, it's like, oh yeah, do you know who else is skilled? Paul Pierce, <laughs> genius. It's complimenting yourself just in the future. I love it. The last one I got here. Uh, I am I am Kobe on what the what the Nets in theory are doing with their signings. Right, okay. So they've signed Amon Shumpert and Andre Roberson. Okay. So we know this from playing 2K, Rob. When we're right. building our franchises, we we, uh, we scroll through the free agency uh, list and we sort by who's the best at three-point shooting. Right. Because we always have shooters. Right, right. Um, but what the Nets problem is, they don't need any more shooting. They need uh, some help on defense. Yeah, so okay. they're just sorting the free agent list by defense ability and just picking the top. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I love it. It's it's because they're all getting like ten day contracts, so they're literally just like, "Well, we'll try him. If he's good, we'll keep him. If not, if he can't play defense, we'll move on to the next." Exactly. Move down the yeah, list. that's good. I love it. Good. All right. Good to splash your pass, right? Yeah. All right. So we're gonna close the show. Uh, the All Star starters were announced, and uh, I guess we can go through them right now. Do you want Do you want to do them, or do you want me to do them? Yeah, go ahead and do them. Okay. So the All Star starters were announced, and I'll just I'll read them off. For the West, it's Steph Curry. Luka Doncic, LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, Kawhi Leonard. In the East, it is... I'm doing this from memory. <laughs> oh. Okay. Uh, in the East, it is Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal. I can do it. Okay. I'm just, oh, I'm sorry. In the East, it's Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Joel Embiid. Now, I don't... I don't put much stock in who's a starter versus who's not. Like no. like Dame felt like he was snubbed and he probably was, but I mean he's the first in for the reserves, so who cares? Right. Like, you know, five years from now, like like I guess like, you know, in like twenty sixteen, seventeen, in the West, you had Steph, Dame, and Russ and Harden were all playing at like MVP levels. So obviously mm-hmm. like you don't remember which one got left off which year. Like you just they were all starts. That's all that remembers. So I don't I don't know why it's such a big deal about yeah, who's a starter. Not, it's not for me at yeah. all. Uh, I don't know if there's any snubs in the East. I would have picked Jalen Brown over Kyrie, but again, Same. he's he's going to be in the else. Who cares? I would have uh, picked Harden over over uh, Kyrie. Ooh, now. okay. Um, I will say, uh, so it's going to be announced this week. The reserves, is that right? Mm-hmm. I think Monday. Okay, so you might it'll probably be announced before you hear this. But anyways, we did a draft last week. We're going to go through the again draft of fringe players. So we discounted all of the locks. So here are the fr- so it's just basically of these two lists, who's going to get more guys in? So I'll read them off for you. Uh, so you had Trey Young, Dominus Sabonis, De'Aaron Fox, Chris Middleton, Ben Simmons, Gordon Hayward. <laughs> and I had Devin Booker, Julius Randle, Bam Adebayo, Zion Williamson, Chris Paul, Adam Levine. No, Zach Levine. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, so we'll see. Uh, I will. I, I want to shout out us for being dumb. We both left off Nikola Vucevic, who apparently the coaches love and the coaches yeah. picked the reserves. So the funny thing is that we talk about him. So we, yeah, we, we love him, and nobody that. picked him. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I do think it's funny while we're talking about All Star Game. All the players hate this. Like LeBron, who was LeBron, Giannis, Kawhi, De'Aaron Fox, have all come out and been like, "Why are we playing this game? This is Let's stupid." And I, I just love that the NBA is not pretending at all that this isn't just about playing. Yeah. <laughs> like they they came out and said like the All Star Game is historical. It's good for fan engagement and it generates a lot of interest or something like that. It's like oh, okay, so you want impressions, you want views. Like yeah. you're just doing it for money. Great, glad we're on the same page. Cool. Yeah. So we'll see. I, like like we said, I was really excited because last year's All Star Game was awesome. This year is not looking to be awesome because the players hate it. Yeah, I will say they they are keeping the Elam ending, which I'm excited. Good, about. good. Okay, well, I just if they're motivated, if the players care, yeah. doubt it. Right. All right. Well, I think that's the episode, right? Yeah. God, uh, nice. Any that guy. any post game? Any post game? Uh, yeah. Pre game post game notes? Not today. Okay. Good. Tell, uh, uh, tell that guy play us out. Uh, Logan. Logan Martin. Logan Martin. Hey, should we, should we start at a different part in the song, or should we start at the beginning? Yeah, let him hear some. Other, let him hear some. Okay, I'll start first. after the first verse. Logan Martin, go. Hit it. Work is worthless. My work habit ain't no heaven, man. I do it on purpose. I push myself to the limits and my talents will surface. So now it's curtains and trades on anybody who hates. Disliking what I'm reciting, biting what I've been writing. I've been dogged by the scratching and clawing on every hate. Trying to make you remember me like you remember the times. Cause I'm a warrior. My daddy was a soldier. I Vietnam been with a dirty thought. I told ya. I'm supposed to rip up your town in Teriosis. Hitting like vultures, man. I'm young, white, and rich. As good as it gets. And giving your point guard fierce. He thinks he's done seen pressure, man. But he ain't seen. Shh. Ain't no way they can know. Ain't no way they can know. Ain't no way they can know. Yeah, but-